But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come my king, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. 
Micah 5.2, this was written 750 years before Christ's birth. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. For the census, the royal family has to travel 85 miles. Joseph walks while Mary, nine months pregnant, rides saddle on a donkey, feeling every jolt, every rut, every rock in the road. By the time they arrive, the small hamlet of Bethlehem is swollen from an influx of travelers. The inn is packed, people feeling lucky if they were able to negotiate even a small space on the floor. Now it is late. Everyone is asleep and there's no room. The innkeeper offers them what he can. True, his stable is crowded, but his guests animals. But if they could squeeze out just a little privacy there, they were welcome to it. Joseph looks over at Mary, whose attention is concentrated on fighting a contraction. We'll take it, he tells the innkeeper without hesitation. The night is still when Joseph creaks open the stable door. The stench is pungent and humid. A small oil lamp lent to them by the innkeeper flickers to dance shadows on the walls. A disquieting place for a woman in, those, in the throes of childbirth. Far from home, far from family, far from what she had expected for her firstborn. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. The birth would not be easy, either for the mother or the child, for, the, for every royal privilege for this son ended at conception. A scream from Mary knifes through the calm of that silent night. Joseph returns breathless, water sloshing from the wooden bucket. The top of the baby's head was already pushing its way through the world. Sweat pours from Mary's contorted face as Joseph, the most unlikely midwife in all Judea, rushes to her side. The involuntary contractions are not enough, and Mary has to push with all her strength, almost as if God were refusing to come into the world without her help. Joseph places a garment beneath her, and with a final push and a long sigh of relief, her labor is over. The Messiah has arrived.
The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, John 1.14. The baby chokes and coughs. Joseph instinctively turns him over and clears his throat, and then he cries. She lays him on her chest, and his helpless cries subside. His tiny head bobs around on the unfamiliar terrain. Mary can feel his racing heartbeat as, she grope, as he gropes to nurse. Deity nursing from a, young man's, from a young maiden's breast, could anything be more puzzling or more profound? Joseph sits exhausted, silent, and full of wonder. And as he held the Savior in his arms, he couldn't help but think, why me? Why her? Why him? And why here? He was not a man to question God, but he couldn't help but think that this was such a strange way to save the world. The baby sighs, the divine word reduces to a few unintelligible sounds. Then for the first time, he fix, his eyes fix on his mother's deity straining to focus, the light of the world squinting. Tears pool in her eyes. She touches his tiny hand and hands that once sculpted mountain range and hands that once sculpted mountain ranges cling to her fingers. She looks up at Joseph and together they stare in awe at the baby Jesus whose heavy eyelids begin to close. It's been a long journey. The king is tired. Just this moment. So 
treasured all these things pondered them in her heart luke 2:18 wide awake is mary my how young she looks the pain has been eclipsed by wonder she looks into the face of the baby her son her lord his majesty at this point in history the human being who best understands who god is and what he is doing is a teenage girl in a smelly stable. She can't take her eyes off of him. Somehow Mary knows she is holding God. He looks like anything but a king. His face is prunish and red. His cry, though strong and healthy, is still the helpless and piercing cry of a baby. And he is absolutely dependent upon Mary for his well-being. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable, through the womb of a teenager, and in the presence of a carpenter. One's imagination is kindled, thinking about whether anyone stopped to ponder what had happened to the young couple who came into town the night before. Did anyone ask about his or her welfare? Perhaps. Perhaps someone raised the subject, but at best it was raised not discussed. They were possibly one of several families turned away that night. No, it is doubtful that anyone gave the couple's arrival any serious thought. They were too busy. The day was upon them. There was too much to do to imagine that the impossible occurred. God had entered the world as a baby. God had entered the world as a baby. It is really hard to imagine, but it's not a fairy tale. Once you have seen the light, which can only happen when the grace of God opens the eyes of your heart, it moves from imaginary to reality and everything changes. But know this, this was not like God's plan B. This was plan A from the beginning. He didn't see things go wrong and go, now what am I going to do to fix it? 
he knew things were going to go wrong before he even created the world. And he had a plan that would demonstrate his grace the only way it could. You see, in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. And all things came to being through him, and nothing that has come into being has come into being apart from him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And there was one who came, whose name was John, who came to testify about the light. He was not the light, but he came to give witness to the light. The true light, Jesus, when it entered humanity, gives light to all men. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many who believe, he has given the right to be called children of God. Those who are not born of blood or of the flesh or of the will of man, but they're born again of the will of God. It is all God, people. This whole story. We are so quick to interject ourselves into God's story. Now make no mistake, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever should believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. Because that, story is, that part of the story is about us. Don't doubt God's love for you. The cross, not the candle, but the cross proves it. Like a great exclamation point on the history of humanity, the cross cries out, I love you. But it's all God. It's his story. And he tells it beautifully. Not always easily. Often not happily. But beautifully. Because his goal for your life and my life is that we would enter into glory through the blood of his son looking like Jesus Christ. And you don't get there without the scars. That passage in John ends with John 1.14. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Let me pray. Father, I just... Um, I am humbled by what I have already seen and heard tonight. And it's not even over. Your grace is amazing. It is a grand and glorious story. And you're not finished telling it. Lord, I want to pray specifically for those in this room that may not see the light. That maybe for the first time tonight would be the night that they would see the light that has come into the world and enlightens every man. That you would open, 
the spiritual eyes of their hearts. And Lord, I pray for those of us that, that have seen the light, but sometimes it just feels far away. Like a little candle at the end of a long tunnel. But that's because we've moved. For once we're yours, your light is in us that you might shine through us. Lord, once again, I thank you for an evening where we get to just turn our mind's attention and our heart's affection on you, praising you for who you are and what you've done. 2,000 years ago, heaven held its breath because everything, everything, everything was about to change on that holy night. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. So the shepherds hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When the shepherds arrived, they sit silently on the floor, perhaps perplexed, perhaps in awe, no doubt in amazement. An explosion of light from heaven and a symphony of angels had interrupted their night watch. God goes to people who have time to hear him. So on this night, he went to simple shepherds. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. After Jesus was born, the Magi of the East came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Then the Magi opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Except for Joseph, there was no one to share Mary's pain or her joy. Yes, there were angels announcing the Savior's arrival, but only to a band of blue-collar shepherds. And yes, a magnificent star shone in the sky to mark his birthplace, but only three foreigners bothered to look up and follow it. To think of how it could have been if he had come how he deserved. And so with barely a ripple of notice, God stepped into the warm lake of humanity. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Thus, in the little town of Bethlehem, that one silent night, the royal birth of God's son tiptoed quietly by as the world slept. And God's word says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men to whom his favor rests.
Yeah, that's okay to clap. That's awesome. As the elders come back up um, and you want to grab your candles, um, I just want to remind you, like, I know it's kind of fun, the, the candle lighting, and for you young people in particular, maybe this is your first or first of a few ca- candle um, candlelight services, but it's more than just a pretty picture, right? It's a picture of how the light of Christ touches one person so that that light can touch somebody else. You know, one of the things we talk about here at Cornerstone a lot is if you are saved and you are sealed and you are, you are a born-again believer in Jesus and you're still here, meaning he hasn't taken you home, it's for a reason. And it's so that you can tell his story. So as we light the candles and we'll just go around the room and we're going to sing a couple more songs to close out the evening, um, I just want to encourage you to let that message of how one life can touch another life Last verse with us, Simon.
Amen, amen. What a beautiful night. Guys, I want to thank you all for coming. Um, for those of you that are staying for dinner, and anyone who's here is welcome to stay. Whether you brought something or not, God will multiply it. But we're going to have a little intermission um, as we sort of transition to the dinner time. When you hear the music start back up, Emma, um, then she, that's for her. Um, then um, you'll know it's time to to regather and then we'll pray for the meal and we'll start dinner. These books are yours to take. We have plenty of them. This Make this a family tradition. That's how it started with us 10 years ago was we just started putting this book together and adding to it and we would read it around the Christmas tree as a family. And so um, take these with you, make it part of your family's story as well. Um, even though we are about to blow out our candles, remember that the light of Christ in you, if you're his, will never, no, never leave you or forsake you nor will it be extinguished. So let me pray to that end. Father, I just thank you. I, I pray right now that as we leave here, whether it's now or in a couple of hours after dinner, Lord, I want to pray um, that you would help us to be bright, shining lights in the world we're about to, to go out into. Lord, remind us of your Emmanuel, of your withness. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our souls as we continue to celebrate our Savior. And we pray all this in the majestic, beautiful, mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you guys for coming. Merry Christmas.